On this Byron Lazine podcast, I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with John Grauman. John and his team did $750 million in volume in Beverly Hills. John's an expert in the luxury market. He is a wine expert. We've got some big news around that on this podcast that he announces. And this year, they're going to do a billion plus in sales. If you're interested in luxury, if you're interested in the California market, and if you have any interest in wine, you're going to love this pod. Looking forward to hearing from you in the comments. I'm here with John Grauman, the co-founder of the Grauman Rosenfield team. I got that right? Grauman Rosenfeld. Rosenfeld. We'll work on the pronunciation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not field. You're right. Feld. That's right. And I, was, I read it four times off of the Instagram bio. Anyways, this team's incredible. Merger happened last year. We'll get into that. But you guys are about to join the billion dollar club, 750 million last year. Yeah. Going for a billion this year. Yeah. I'm convinced you will get there. So, John, why don't you just tell us how you got to this point of running such a dominant team here in Beverly Hills? Sure. I literally just got chills when you said that because it's it's something that obviously we haven't achieved yet, but we're very much putting out into the universe as like you know, this is it. We're manifesting it. We're going to build it. And it's kind of the age old, like, how do you take the island? You burn your ships. Like, yeah. we're just putting it out there and saying that we're going to hit it. And so far, we're on pace. We're a little over 300 million closed and pending so far and in March. So we're we're on our way. Um, how did we get yeah, here? Give, give me the background for you personally of getting to this point, how you got into real estate and, and how you got to this level sure. of, of doing it. I mean, I would say it's as simple as sort of, you know, every seemingly overnight success has, you know, a 10 year history that preceded it and mine's no different. Um, I've been in the business now for about 19 years. I started as a mortgage broker um, and was wow, a- Wow, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I was a mortgage broker from 2003 to about 2011, which means I had a front row seat wow, yeah. for the mortgage crisis in 2008, 9, and 10. You did it for real. Those are some real years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, mean, I was front row seat for the apocalypse. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was scary. It was a really scary time. Uh, and during that same window of time, I got into development. So I uh, built and developed some really high-end spec homes. One actually just right down the road from here. Um, and then, you know, in 2011, I kind of reached that that critical moment of that, that's it, not another minute, not another second. I'm just done. I, I didn't enjoy it. I really wasn't... I wasn't fulfilled with what I was doing. And I knew that I needed to be more front facing rather than back facing bickering with underwriters all day. Well, having got to know you a little bit here over the last year or so, knowing your affinity for like wine and great foods and like how interactive you are with people sitting mortgage, you're really not out there meeting clients. No, you know? no you're sitting behind a desk yeah. and you're, again, you're bickering with underwriters all day. And, you know, back then in 2011, I mean, you were arguing over like common sense where like, you know, you put a couple of monkeys in a room and give them long enough, they're going to figure this out. Yeah. But like, the, yeah, the, the banks had become so restrictive and so myopic in their approach to things that if it didn't fit in their nice, neat, little perfect box, they just were denying it. And that was a really frustrating time for myself, for homeowners, for everybody. So I switched over to the other side of the aisle um, and I starved for the next year. I, I literally didn't sell a house my entire first year. Started here in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. By the way, we're, if you're looking at this beautiful background, we're in John's listing. I think it's in escrow. It's in escrow. So yeah. to give uh, credit where credit's due, my partner Adam and his brother Mike actually built, designed, and developed this oh, house. Oh, wow. Um, oh. And it's, I mean, as you can it's, see, it's a 10. It's incredible. We'll put a little bit of B-roll in, in the pod if, yeah, if that's okay. Yeah, it's spectacular. Yeah, it is spectacular. So this is a real special level. I mean, this is the 
big leagues of real estate, selling real yeah. estate in Beverly Hills. You started right, right here. You know, I guess it would be harder probably to start somewhere else and move into this market. Did the mortgage help you at all? Pick up clients here. I hope they don't. I hope those birds don't fly in here. <laughs> Some parrots in the background or something. Sorry about that. Um, big leagues, Beverly Hills. You were doing mortgage. Did that help you crack into this market at all? It helped in giving me a good base of knowledge um, that has proved to be a, a valuable tool um, at several points in my career. Uh, but no, it actually was a bit of a disadvantage because most of my of referrals came from agents. Yeah. So when I switched over to the other side of the aisle, the last thing I was going to do was make enemies with them and then start targeting their clients. So That's I really okay. had to start just with nothing. That's actually so, very you know, interesting because you were friends with the agents. Now right. they see you as a competitor. Totally. Yeah. And I'm sure some of them were pretty guarded with like, whoa, you have my Rolodex because yes. we share the same one. I referred to these clients, which I assured everyone like, I'm not going after your clients. I would never yeah. do that. Um, so I started from scratch. I started sitting open houses. Um, and that's really how I built my business was sitting open houses and just making myself the expert on that property, knowing obviously all the specs on that property, but beyond that, knowing you know, the neighborhood, knowing the comps, knowing the off market so that I could dangle a carrot of something that maybe they didn't know about when they walked in the door. And then just, you know, being personal, be personable, being assertive, being proactive, and actually like not just sitting there reading a book, but, you know, going after the client when they came in. It's a great reminder of how much business there is out there. It's 750 million last year and you assured all these agents, and this is, you know, obviously 10 years ago when you got into the business, but I'm not going after your clients. I'm going to make my own clients. There's yeah. plenty of business to go around. There's, there's so much to go around in this business. Everybody can be fed, Yeah, right? There's a huge pie for everyone to share in. Um, but like you said, you know, look, selling in Beverly Hills, like selling in New York or any of the other big luxury markets, you know, you're really playing at the very top. And I feel grateful to have that opportunity because a lot of people, I, I was just born into the city, right? I didn't have any choice or any say in that. I was just very fortunate. I was very lucky. But, you know, it also comes with it, at least how I feel, is a, a lot of responsibility. And the way I always kind of articulate this to our agents is to use a golf analogy, right? So if you're a golfer, um, there's different tees that you tee off from, yes. right? So there's the pros tee off from here. Just golfing the other day. Okay. I'm like, actually not a golfer, ironically, but <laughs> yeah. this is, but I, I, I yeah, love you got this. the tips and, and the blue and the white. And exactly. So, yeah. Right. So, you know, again, depending on whether you're a pro or a male or a female, you're teeing off from different places. If you're selling luxury real estate in Beverly Hills and you're fortunate enough to just be born here, you're teeing off from just off the green. Yeah. Like you're so much further along than yeah. anyone else is. I mean, you basically just have to chip in. And to me, that just kind of the pressure that comes with that, which I think is a good pressure, is that like failure is not really an option. Like you better damn well be successful at this because there's so many other people with so many more challenges and disadvantages that are trying to get to where you are. So that's, you know, that's, that's my a feeling. great way to put it. And I would love to just be teeing off from just off of the green. Who wouldn't? Yeah. But no, like in my golf game. No, I know. I yeah, prefer yeah. that. You know, that, <laughs> that would keep my scores really low. So th that's really interesting that um, a lot of your agents, you know, need that reminder or, you know, it's just, you know. I, I think we all do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How many of your agents are from here and then from out of uh, the area that moved, relocated here? Oh, that's a great question. I Honest answer, I don't know. LA is a very transient city. Yeah. Most people aren't from here. I'm actually one of the few. Um, so I would imagine most of the team is not from here, but percentage-wise, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Now, is everybody doing luxury? Like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing 
you know, eight, 10, $20 million deals. Is everybody in the team at that level or what's the price point ranging? No, we, I mean, look, we have a, a very sort of simple principle, which is we're not in the business of turning down business. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. And the other very simple principle that, you know, some people have heard me say before is that, you know, luxury isn't a price point, it's an experience. Wow, that's great. So, you yeah. know, we, we really try to focus on that and make that um, essentially our mission statement. Uh, so I would say right now our lowest listing is probably... If I had to guess, uh, seven or eight hundred thousand dollar condo, yeah. and our highest listing is a hundred and thirty nine million dollar estate in Bel Air. But there are teams that won't touch that under a million price point. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent not us because to me this is a relationship based business, as is everything in life, and you never know when a five thousand dollar a month lease is going to lead to a five million dollar listing, and it yeah. happens all the time. Yeah, how many of those five million dollar sellers or investors also own maybe a few rentals that are in that sure. 750,000 range. We've also had leads that have come in where it's, you know, I don't know, a $1.4 million lead, which again, in certain markets sounds like a lot of money in our market. It's on yeah. the lower end uh, that some of the agents don't necessarily take all that seriously. But what you don't know is that person's... That's that's incredible. I know, I know. An agent I, wouldn't take 1.4 million serious. I know. It's, 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 again, it's all relative. Yeah. Um, but what you fail to realize is that that person might be inquiring about a condo that they're looking to buy for their nephew. They yes. might own a $20 million house in Brentwood. Right. Right. So you just, you just, it's the relationship. You never know who they are, who they know. What's it like working with, you know, someone who owns a $20 million estate or, a, you know, $139 million property? What's it like working? What do you, what do you have to do to connect with that level uh, of seller? Or is everybody really the same at the end of the day? No, I don't think everybody's the same at the end of the day. I think that, you know, a big part of our job is knowing who's sitting across from you and knowing how to communicate with them effectively. Um, everybody has a different sort of love language, so to speak, in terms sure. of how they receive and perceive information. Um, it, there's different ways to handle you know, the luxury space. Um, one is you really got to think outside the box because a lot of those guys got to where they are by marching to the beat of their own drum. They don't, these aren't rule followers. These are rule breakers and rule makers. And you kind of have to, you know, play it in at their speed at, in, you know, at their rhythm. Um, and then again, you just have to read the room. Some people you need to kowtow to because that's just, they got to be the big man in the room and want to, you know, puff their chest. But more often than not, I've found that they're really looking to look to you as an equal, right? Yeah. Even though your bank accounts may not be equal, they want to interface with you and interact with you as an equal. And they need you to have not necessarily a commanding presence, but certainly an assertive and confident presence that like, you're the advisor. They you're see you there as the doctor. To sh- totally. Yeah. You're there to like, same thing. Yeah. I don't care if you're the richest man in the world. If you're going in for brain surgery, you're not coming in telling the doctor how to do the job. No. He's telling you. That's right. And you're in his capable hands, or at least that's what you're paying him for. It's no different with our job. So I just try to really not be intimidated by the moment, uh, to not back down from the moment and to just say like, you know, I was talking to someone the other day who was talking about his business manager and, and this, that, and, you know, business manager decides. And I said, you know, business manager is here to advise. It's your decision who you want to work with. Sure. Like you have to just be that assertive. Yeah. How do you get a $139 million listing? Is that an online lead? Is that through a business manager relationship? How do you get connected with that 
you know, price point. Uh, my partner, Adam deserves all the credit for that. Um, that's, uh, so have a, a partner. There you go. Yeah. Like <laughs> have a great partner. Adam, Adam should be here. He's uh, not only because he designed this and built this beautiful house with his brother, but he's, he's amazing. And, and frankly, I think far better than me. Um, wow. he, he's, he's really just one of the absolute best in the business. Um, and Adam had spent years cultivating a relationship with this developer, um, with no expectation of anything in return. He just approached him from the perspective of, I'm going to build this relationship. I'm going to nurture this relationship. I'm going to add value whenever and however I can with no expectation of anything in return. If something comes, great. If it doesn't, that's fine. And, you know, the developer who's, who's a wonderful person, you know, can't just, I guess that opportunity presented itself. It's just yeah. like the timing was right for him to say, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a shot. Relationships. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about relationships, if people are thinking Beverly Hills real estate because of Bravo, they they see the sure. big, you know, you know the, the TV names Josh Flag or yeah. you know David and James, um, and you know the average consumer of Beverly Hills real estate may not know necessarily. They should because you guys are in a special category with with your price point and, and what you're putting together with the team. But what's it like working with those Bravo TV stars? I don't know. Uh, I mean, again, like I know that they're on TV, obviously. They, I would say that TV is always going to present a exaggerated version of yeah. oneself. Um, they are more or less who they present as they, as they are on TV, minus the professional editing and the dramatic music and all the things that is meant to make reality TV entertaining. Um, but, you know, look, there's, and I don't mean this about them directly. I'm just going to say in general, yeah. when you're dealing at these kinds of price points, there's a lot of ego involved of because you have agents that make a lot of money, some of whom, you know, kind of feel like they walk on water. Um, and, you know, it's the, the, the lesson there for me and to our team is always like, rule number one, this is not about you. Mm. I don't care how great you are, or how great you think you are. It's not about you. It's about the client. You're a conduit for the client. You're here to help usher them from A to B to C in a process that for most people is incredibly daunting, very foreign, and can be, you know, really intimidating. That You're their shepherd, right? So, I don't know. I feel like agents sometimes get too caught up in making themselves part of the deal when we're not. Yeah, and I like what you said there, egos. Your brokerage, the agency, they put out some interesting content just recently really about, I think it, it's really directed at people with big egos. What's the, uh, the one I just saw the suits, um, suits are, I mean, I, I don't want to butcher it, but it's, it's basically like, I don't know if it's, we don't wear suits or we don't like assholes. It was, it was something oh, like it's, very, yeah. So very I, direct. I, I think I know what it is probably. So uh, we have, you know, a set of rules at the company yes, and rules. rule number one has be always asshole. been no assholes, yeah, that's which is just, was. we don't accept assholes. We yeah. don't work with assholes. We don't, well, I can't take, I can't fully say that with confidence. We don't, <laughs> you are a yeah, real estate agent, we don't John. allow assholes at the company. Yeah. Um, that's just rule number one. And, and I've seen them ask some very big producers to leave because yeah. just culturally not the right fit. And that's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm there is because of the culture. And I think we've learned a lot from that culture and tried to emulate and replicate some of that within the culture of our own team because culture is everything. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool. And they're, that they're willing to go out there and show the public that this is who we are. Yeah. Yeah, they're not, they're not shying away from it. I don't know what the suit thing was. I, don't, I honestly I, I don't know either. I saw that too. It was, they actually just opened up down in uh, Naples, Florida area. I know mm -hmm. they're on the East Coast. But 
uh, I saw it on uh, somebody that switched over to there on, on his Instagram. Maybe he just maybe he might have been a local, one of the yeah, local okay. ad. But uh, they had a great ad campaign that was um, <clears throat> this is years ago, but it was uh, a park. Um, sorry, a bus bench. Okay, with just your typical you know agent you know on yeah. it with you know sort of cheesy grin and name tag and sure. um, <clears throat> and tagged over the bus bench was the red agency logo and the simple tag the tagline with it was not your parents agency yeah and i was like that's genius that's awesome that's genius that's really cool i mean you're gonna do a billion this year why would you not go out on your own as opposed to staying with the agency um that's a good question um Right now, because we have no reason to. We're really happy where we are. They provide us with a lot of support. You know, the brand name carries weight. And that's, you know, that has value to us. It started here. It started here. But, you know, there's a lot of brand names like, and again, I don't mean to speak like disparagingly of them, but for example, a Keller Williams, where at least in our market does not carry a tremendous amount of weight. There's not going to be anyone. I can totally see that. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, I really want to work with you because you're at that brokerage. The agency really has a presence and a reputation that, carries value when you walk in the room. That's one. Two, again. Is um, that because of Mauricio or? I think it's uh, certainly in part because of Mauricio and because he is still a very dominant agent currently within our market. Yeah. So it's not like. He's active. He's active. Wow. Yeah. He's Taking still, less things. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. So he should not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still a very relevant name, which carries a lot of weight that goes with that. Yeah. Um, and also, again, the culture, the camaraderie, um, it's really unlike any other company where it's really one that promotes transparency and collaboration and you never have to like, there's no backstabbing because again, there's no assholes. We just don't allow it. That's pretty unique that the broker owner of a brokerage at you know this size is actively taking listings. Do some agents not come over to the agency because of that? Good question. I don't know that I can answer on behalf of obviously other people. I'd only be speculating, but I would say that so it's it, this is an interesting concept um, and one that I think a lot of people in m- my market don't really relate to. So you and I met through Tom Ferry yes. and that ecosystem. And one of the sort of common themes that I found in meeting with you know top agents like yourself was working to a place where you are no longer in production. Like myself. Yeah. 100%. My, my uh, goal is to get out of production. Yeah. And, and again, that's yeah. that simple statement right there. My goal is to get out of production is a common one that I've heard from so many yeah. agents in the Tom Ferry ecosystem in other parts of the country. Of course. In our market, at our price point, I can't afford to get out of production. Right. <laughs> it's, the most, it's the most profitable thing I do is yeah. be in production. Yeah. You can apply that to Mauricio, right? Yeah. Mauricio's running this big company. He's growing it. He's doing all those things. But what he does in production is more valuable than anything else. Yeah. So how do you get out of it? That's right. I mean, at this level, at, when you're selling $20 million properties, it is a little crazy to be out of production. I don't, I don't know of any team here. You would know. Does any team do that? Any team leader step out of production at this price point? It, it wouldn't make much sense. I don't know. Also... At that price point, there is an expectation that they're working with the person whose name is on the marquee. Sure. They're not being passed off. Yeah. You can have support staff, and we all do, but they're hiring well, you for you. What's that look like? You take a you know, $10 million listing. Who's doing what? You're going in on the pitch. You're securing the deal. You're negotiating. And then is everything else being done by an expert? More or less, yeah. The expectation that we try to kind of set is, you know, look, 
I'm your point of contact for anything, you know, at any critical points in the deal, whether it's in the strategy for how we're going to price it, uh, in the marketing uh, strategy in, or marketing plan, rather, in critical points of negotiation and all of that, I'm going to be your guy. Um, you know, when it comes to showing, a lot of times I'm going to be there, again, depending on the price point for the stuff that's, you know, 20, 30, and 40 million, we do all of those. Yeah. But at certain price, certain price points and on certain days, you just can't be everywhere. Right. Um, but we always, you know, bring in our, our team of specialists and to show them that, like, we have showing agents. This is all they do. They're super buttoned up. They know the house backwards and forwards and their job is to show the house. And the analogy you can sort of use there is like, look, you've come to me and we kind of talked on this earlier is like as the brain surgeon, right? So I'm going to perform the operation. But before the operation, everyone needs to scrub up and the anesthesiologist needs to come in yeah. and, you know, and, and get you ready for surgery. That's my showing agent, right? right? They're going to come in and do that. Yeah. Do you like that part, the showing? <sighs> yes and no. Um, one of the coolest things about what we get to do in a market like this is the homes we get to see. Yeah. So going through these homes is not exactly a burden. It's, it's, it's a really fun part of the job, but LA is a really big city. Traffic is a real factor and you have to plan your day around it literally. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, you know, there's a lot of wisdom and science behind being an area specific agent where like, this is my neighborhood. I'm on all the park benches. I sponsor all the cool, the school events, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I, I farm the neighborhood, I door knock the neighborhood, but in a city as big as LA, it's too limiting for me at least. Sure. Um, so trying to manage the geography is tough. And that's the only hard part about showings. You're, you're inspiring me right now to get back into production down in Naples, Florida, <laughs> maybe not in, in the, with the Connecticut team, but yeah, the price points are, are similar. Actually Port Royal in, in Naples has a, it's only 750 homes, but a higher uh, average price point than Bel Air, which is shocking. Wow. Yeah. Number, number one in the country. There's wow. some serious price points in uh, Naples. They'll tear down, you know, $15 million homes and, and just rebuild those in Port Royal. But it, but it's a small little, you know, like I said, 700 about homes there. So Yeah, that's tough. Not a lot of turnover, I would imagine there. but Not, not a lot of turnover. No. no there's, there's very few deals and very few individuals that do those deals. Probably, like we're sitting here in the hills, there's probably just a handful of agents or teams that are getting these deals, or is it more than that? Uh, it's definitely more than that. Um, well, I'll answer that question a couple of ways. You know, most industries operate off of, you know, an 80-20 rule where you have, you know, 20% of the agents doing 80% of the business. I would say in the luxury space, it's much more of a 95-5 rule. You have 5% of the agents doing 95% of the business. Um, but the flip side of that coin is there's over 30,000 licensed agents in LA County. I don't even know what the number is today. That, that stat's a couple years old and there's only more agents entering our market every day. So... It's it's very competitive. There are tons of agents out there. I mean, in this area of the hills, sure, I could name five or six dominant agents, but hundreds that service the area. Yeah. Where's your? You guys are predominantly selling in the hills, or we're kind of. So the nice part about Beverly Hills, aside from the cachet that comes with the name, is that. It's the center of the city, and you can kind of sell anywhere from there. Mm -hmm. You can sell in the Strip, which is where we are, the Hollywood Hills, um, Beverly Hills, of course, Bel Air, Brentwood, Palisades, Hancock Park, Los Feliz. You know, there's just you can kind of sell anywhere because it just sort of branches out from there. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of you know people being pretty negative about California. You know, across the country, yeah, headlines certainly. It's a great 
clickbait headline. California is has this mass exodus. What are your thoughts on that? How true is that? What's the future of California? You got some really great questions, by the way. I don't know if you're <laughs> just rattling these off or if like you wrote these down yeah, in your hotel yeah. room last night, but they're really great questions. Um, so yes, uh, definitely in a state of flux. Um, no pun intended. Uh, I think for every person we lose right now, we still gain one or two because it's just, I mean, if the, you can see outside right now, it's, it's March. It's so it's hard degrees. to say you hate California if you've ever been here because the weather is ridiculous. Yeah. This and, is just incredible. And that's what, that's the primary driver in what made California, Southern California, LA, what it is. Uh, and we refer to it as the weather tax that you pay to live here. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, look, I'm very concerned about the state of this city right now. I, I won't okay. comment so much on the state because it's a very big state and the seventh largest economy yeah. in the world. Yeah. But fifth, I think it's the fifth largest. Is it fifth now? Yeah, it's fifth. Well, yeah. There you go. It's teaching yeah. me something about yeah. my own state. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm very concerned about the overall just state of um of, of LA right now because uh one, there's a, a a crime wave that's going through LA that's unlike anything we've ever seen before. Mm. Um it it's so foreign to anything we've ever known and it's 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 really quite scary if I'm being honest with you. And um I don't say this to deter people obviously from moving here, but the reality is that like safety is at is at the top of everyone's list in terms of, of priorities. Yeah. Um, and, and right now there's a lot of people that feel unsafe and that's a problem. That's something that has to be addressed very quickly. Because I've heard that so often, I actually asked the front desk when I'm staying in Westwood and I said, hey, I'm gonna take a run tomorrow morning. You think that's like, okay? And she's like, yeah, super safe. And, By the way, you know. they're right. Yeah. You're in Westwood, yeah. take a run. Don't wear a $50,000 watch on your run. I don't even wear a watch. So right, okay, good, so like that's, yeah. Um, but uh, there's that. There is a homeless problem that has run rampant that I'm not insensitive to. It, it is a real problem at, at, that has you know fundamental issues that need to be really um, worked through because it's only getting worse. But I'm going to speak in a somewhat, um, I'll call it maybe superficial way in this moment, which is that from a selling, from the perspective of selling luxury real estate, the people that choose to live here are the most affluent people in the world. Absolutely. They can choose to live anywhere. That's right. If you leave your house and A, you don't feel safe and or B, the surroundings aren't beautiful, right? Yeah. The aesthetic is looking kind of ugly and grim. You're going to choose to live somewhere else. Yeah. So I really feel like it's a city in a state of crisis right now. Like those two things have a major impact on the future viability and des desirability of, of the luxury market here. I've been here maybe 48 hours. I haven't felt unsafe or seen anything that doesn't look beautiful, but you know, I've gone to very specific locations yeah. and, and so, and it's look, it's you know, not like Gotham city of, out yeah, there. Yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not <laughs> like that, but, um, there are things happening there. There are crimes being committed that we just never saw before. And they're, they're really brazen. Like, it's yeah. just like in broad daylight where people are like, did that, did that just happen? Yeah, where so, it's, you see it on, on the new, well, whatever, you know, online where it's like, and people just keep like moving about their day. Like it's just like a it's, natural I, 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 thing. People are so caught off guard, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And that's kind of the, I hate to call it, you know, the genius behind it, but like, it's not like in a movie where like it's in the middle of the night and they're cutting the security line and they're like, they're sneaking in. Like it's just right in the middle, in broad yeah. daylight. And I, th yeah. I think people are so 
again, completely taken aback and caught off guard. They don't know what to do with it. No, it's insane. I love it out here, like I said, because I'm coming, I'm visiting. It it is so intoxicating, the weather. We're going to be in Napa this weekend, spending some time together. And I'm going to be staying very close to you because you are a wine enthusiast. You know your wine. You know how to explain it. You, you know which bottles to pick. You've got a wine show coming up. What are you going to be doing on that? I do, yes. We have a wine show coming up. It's going to be called Wine and Wisdom, uh, where I'm just pairing some of my favorite people with some of my favorite things, which is wine and talk and shop. Yeah. So we're just sitting around. The first episode is going to be with Mauricio uh, oh, cool. and Billy Rose, the other co-founder, and Santiago Arana, who's uh, my best friend and uh, another one of the partners at the company. Um, and, These guys know wine like you? or uh, No, they no. don't. They're, they're, they appreciate <laughs> wine. They like wine. Yeah. They, they know some about wine, but not. I don't think they have the passion for it that I do. Um, Are you going to go Gary V style on this show and, and have your own names for the smells and the tastes? I don't know. I think it's just going to evolve into whatever it's sort of meant to be. But again, to me, it's just fun to kind of talk shop and talk about one of, again, my favorite yeah. things. Um, but yes, tying that into real estate, I will say that um, wine is something that is my knowledge and passion for wine is something that has served me very well as an agent because there are a couple of common things that most affluent people share. Um, and, and one of them is wine, yeah. right? Another one could be golf, yeah. right? A lot of wealthy people golf, right? They've that's got a, the time a, to do it. It's a, it's a, a stereotype, but it's a true one. Stereotypes exist true. for a reason. Yeah, it's one of those country clubs. A hundred percent. And I've been in moments where, I mean, literally as recently as yesterday, where you start talking about wine and it's like anything. In the first 30 seconds, you can just demonstrate that you know what you're talking about or you don't. And when people realize that like, oh, you really know like what you're talking about, it's all the barriers drop, right? There's no yeah. statuses anymore. Like there's a couple agents on my you have team. have a common interest. There's a couple agents on my team, you know, young kids, newer in the business that, um, are really good golfers. I mean, okay. like we're like, you know, amateur, like pro, like level golfers. Um, and I've said to them, like, get out on the golf course as much oh, as possible. you're that good? Yeah. Because people want to play with good golfers. Rich people don't yeah. care. Like they don't care how, you know, again, what your bank account balance is. If you can play golf at that level, yes. you've earned their respect. They want to be near you. They and prefer to play with someone playing a good round. That's it. Yeah, and they should be spending probably three days a week at these courses totally. around here. Yep. You know, join the club. That's an investment, by the way. Yep. Join that club. You, you talk to your tax account. It might be able to even write that <laughs> off if you, if you pull it off the if the uh, the right way there. But um, are, what level of wine are you going to open up? Like, what's the price point on these shows? You're going to only open like three hundred dollar bottles, or what are you going to do? No. Okay. So the the first episode that we shot with with Mo and the guys, um, yes, the average price point was about three hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, but the idea that I had going into it is rather than trying to pair it with food, which is what wine is meant to be paired with, um, I'm going to try to pair it with the individual. So if that person is you know, kind of a little spicy, then I'm going to go with something like that. If that person's cool. like with, you know, Mauricio, like a big, bold person, then I went with a really big, bold cab. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how long I can do that for, but I'm going to try because it sounds fun. Um, yeah, and we'll see how it goes. Wow. That, I can't wait for that show. So where, where would people find that? Just um, that's going to go out on all of our various channels, but yeah. you can find it uh, on Grauman Rosenfeld on Instagram at, at Grauman Rosenfeld and, and probably on my personal page, I'm sure, at, which is at John Grauman. And make sure you're connected. I mean, everything you guys are doing looks beautiful. The team's doing fabulous. And you know, I want to I watch the Billion Dollar Club this year. So, so do I. Man. I just want to be a part of it. Yeah. I really do. I'm super excited. I, I really feel like we're you know very sort of poised to hit it. And um, it's, it's really exciting just where we are 
versus where we came from. I mean, two years ago, we were a team of seven agents. We're now 70 plus. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, uh, that's agents and staff, but still, nevertheless, it's, it's really, it's a great group of people that I'm super proud of. Now you guys will get there. I really appreciate your time today. Of course. Let us use this beautiful house. I mean, we're going to put a little B-roll in, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, go connect with John. Thank you so much. Of course, man. Really appreciate yeah, it. Good to see we'll, you, I'll see you in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Awesome. Okay.